The previous Mishnah taught that in general, if a woman comes to the basin and claims that her husband has died, she is believed and she may remarry another man. This is due to a combination of two reasons. Firstly, takonas agunais, which means that we are more lenient in order to allow a woman to remarry, because otherwise if there weren't exactly the correct criteria to validate witnesses who saw the husband dead, then she won't be able to marry forever. She'll be stuck. No one will have evidence that her husband is dead. Meanwhile, she didn't receive a divorce from him, and she'd be stuck for the rest of her life not being able to remarry. And because of that, we are more lenient to permit even her, although in general we require two witnesses for evidence, and somebody who would be affected by the evidence is an invalid witness. Nevertheless, in this case, she is permitted to be a witness. And the second reason is that she is very unlikely to lie. We learnt in the 10th Perek a long list of severe consequences for a woman who remarries another man whilst her husband is still alive. And therefore we assume that she is not going to lie because of the great risk involved. This mission is going to list a condition for her to be believed. Basil and Basil say, Leishaman, we only heard that this halacha applies, that we believe her if she says that her husband died. That only applies if she comes from the harvesting of Isa Medina and in that same country, and like a story which once happened. What was the story? So a number of people were harvesting in the field, and a snake came and bit one of them and killed him. And this man's wife came to Bastin and claimed that her husband had died. And the Bastin sent a couple of people to the field, which wasn't too far away, it was in the same country. And indeed, they found this man to be dead, and they came back to Bastin and said that we found somebody dead in the field. It must be her husband. So apparently, she was telling the truth. After this story happened, that's when the Chachorim came and instituted that we are going to believe even one witness, and even if it's the man's wife, we are going to believe her to say that he died. So we still say that only a case which is very similar to that case is included in what the Chachorim said. And so only if she claims that her husband died in the same country, such that it is very easy to check whether she is lying or not, only then do we believe her, because in such a case she wouldn't be lying, because we can find out if she's lying very easily. But if she's abroad, such as the case in the previous Mishnah, then we would not believe her. Whether she comes telling a story about the harvest, of grain, and whether she comes talking about the harvest of olive trees, whether she comes talking about what happened when harvesting grapes, certainly you base Hillel agree that we don't just believe her in a case which is exactly the same, where it was exactly the same harvest. Clearly the Chachom after this story happened, they said that we're going to believe a woman in every case, not only if it's exactly the same story, and so too Medina. Whether she is coming from one country to another, in that case we would also believe her. When talking about this case and this law that we believe a woman to say that her husband died, they talked about a case where he was harvesting grain because that's a common case, like the story which happened. So the Chachom, when talking about this law that we believe even a woman about her husband's death, they talked about it in the context of such a story. But the law itself applies in every case, and indeed, Chozubes Hill, Hose, Kedabes Shammai, Hill retracted and they taught like Shammai 
am I? And they agreed with their opinion. Mr. Gimbal, since the reason why we believe the woman is because of Takonas Agunois, so that she'll be able to remarry and she won't be stuck for the rest of her life, but in pretty much all other areas of halacha, we require two witnesses who are male to testify that a particular thing happened. So the question is, the other consequences of the fact that the husband is dead, regarding those consequences, do we also believe her that she is dead? So Shammai and Shammai say, Tinose, she can remarry, and as well as that, Vesidal Kusubasa, she can also take the Kusuba money, which is the money which she takes upon being divorced or widowed, and although this is a monetary matter, not directly related to the testimony which she gave, since at the end of the day we are believing her that he is dead, so much so that we are allowing her to remarry somebody else, we also allow her to take her Kusuba money. She can remarry, but she cannot take her Kasuba money unless there are two male valid witnesses who testify to her husband's death. You have permitted a possible forbidden marriage, which is much more severe. Should you not also permit her to take the money, which is a much lighter and less severe law? Monetary matters are far less severe than a married woman marrying somebody else. That marriage and all of the relations would be forbidden, and you're allowing that, so all the more so you should allow that woman to take her kasuba, which is a monetary matter which is less severe. Omlohem Beisilel, Beisilel said back to Beishamai, Motsinu, we do find she'eno achenich nosen anachla alpiha. That the brothers of her husband do not enter to take the inheritance of that man via her testimony. Meaning you also agree that her testimony is only good enough for her. Because of Takonas Agunais, we, we accept even one female witness who is affected by the witness, and we would never really, in general, accept that as testimony. In this case, however, we allow her to remarry. But you also agree that regarding other people, we do not consider him dead. For example, the inheritance is not shed out yet. So clearly she was only believed in order to be able to remarry. But for other monetary matters, she is not believed. Omlohem Shamai. Bishamai brought another proof for Beisilel. Should we not learn from the actual scroll and text of her kasuba? That in this document which he writes her at the beginning of the marriage, he writes for her, that if you marry, if you are allowed to marry somebody else, then then you shall take what is written in this document for you. So it's proven from the actual text of the Kasuba that as soon as she is allowed to marry somebody else, that is when he promises to give her that money. And when Bishil heard this proof, Bishil went back to teach like the words of Bishamai and they agreed with Bishamai after hearing this proof. So regarding the Kasuba specifically, she is allowed to take that once she is allowed to remarry. Mishadalad, just like a woman is allowed to testify and she is believed about her husband's death, even though there are a number of reasons to invalidate that testimony. Similarly, other witnesses who in general would be invalid witnesses, such as a woman or a non-Jewish slave, they would also be believed that this woman's husband died in order to allow her to remarry. However, the Mishnah lists five exceptions. Anybody who comes to base then regarding this woman's husband's death, they are believed about this testimony, except for 
Nechamoisa, her mother-in-law. All of the people on this list don't have a positive relationship with each other, or at least we're concerned that they do not have a good relationship with each other. And therefore they might be lying in order that she'll remarry somebody else. And then when the husband turns up, he will need to divorce her, as we learnt in the 10th Perik. And the reason why the mother-in-law might not get along with her very well is because she's jealous that when her husband dies, then his son will inherit him and his son is married to this woman. So she will gain from that inheritance, so the mother-in-law might be a bit jealous. Uvaschamaisa and her mother-in-law's daughter, again for the same reason, she might be jealous that her father's inheritance will go to his son, which means that ultimately this woman will gain from the inheritance. All right, thirdly, the Tsarosa. Her Tsara, the woman married to the same man, the whole word Tsara itself means a distress. They would often not get along because they are sort of competing for the husband via Vimta. Her husband's potential Yavama, meaning her husband's brother's wife, because if she becomes his Yavama and he performs Yibum, then they will become Tsorois in the future. So already now they don't have a positive relationship. And f- number five, Uvasbala, her husband's daughter, her stepdaughter, they also do not have a very positive relationship. And therefore, if they testify that her husband died, we do not believe them, because they might intentionally be lying so that she will go and marry somebody else and then be forced to separate from her original husband and have all of those severe punishments and consequences which were listed in the 10th Perek. Now the Mishnah in Gitin, Perek based Mishnah Zion, reads as follows. Even the women who are not believed to say about a woman that her husband died, the Mishnah is referring to these five women which we just listed, they are trusted to bring her get. Meaning if they come to Basin and say that her husband appointed me as a messenger to bring this woman's get to her, and he is divorcing her, in that case they are believed. So the Mishnah asks, Mame get Namisa. What is the difference between a get and the testimony about him dying? Surely regarding the divorce as well, we should suspect that she is making this up because she wants her to separate from her husband. Answers the Mishnah quite simply, because the written document of the get, that in itself is a proof that she is not lying. Whereas when she comes and testifies that he died, she has no other proof. So in such a case, we would suspect that she is indeed lying. Now, as you have mentioned, in pretty much all other areas of halacha, we always require two witnesses to testify, and not just one. And therefore, in this case where we believe even one witness, he or she has the status of two witnesses. And because of that, if one witness comes and says that her husband died, the Nisses, and she remarried, and the truth is the Gemara explains that even if she had not yet remarried, but the Basin had given her permission based on this testimony to remarry. And after that, another single person comes, and he says, that man did not die. He contradicts the original testimony. The halacha is she does not need to be divorced from her new husband, and in fact she's even allowed to marry, if she hadn't yet remarried, she's allowed to do so. The reason being that she already got the permission to remarry, and that permission is based on the testimony of somebody who we consider to be like two witnesses. Because that's the only way that the Chachon could say that he's believed, if we consider him to be like two witnesses. So we've now got a case where two people came, it's as if two people came and said that he had died, and after that, one single person comes and contradicts the original testimony. The second guy's testimony is certainly not considered to be like two witnesses, because he's testifying that 
he did not die, and therefore she is still allowed to remarry. What happens, however, if Aid Omer Mace, one witness comes and says that he died, and we're talking specifically about a case where she is generally not a valid witness. For example, a woman or a non-Jewish slave. So because of Takonis Agunas, we do believe her. So we allow her to remarry, and she goes and marries somebody. And after that, Ushanayim Omrim, two people say, Lo Mace, did not die. And it could be that these two people are also, in general, invalid. But over here, the Mishnah says, Avalpisha Nisseis, even if she has remarried, Tate she must leave and be divorced. In this case, it's as if we have two against two, because the first witness we consider to be like two. However, at the end of the day, the second pair of witnesses, who are actually two people, are certainly stronger than the single witness who we consider to be like two people. And because of that, in a case where their testimonies contradict, the testimony of the two actual people is considered to be stronger, and therefore she would need to be divorced. On the other hand, Shunayim Omer Mace, if two people say that he did die, the Eid Omer Mace, and one witness comes and says that he didn't die, in that case, certainly, even if she has not yet got married, and in fact, even if she has not yet received permission to remarry, Tinose, she may remarry and she will be granted that permission, since the two real witnesses are certainly considered to be stronger than the single witness. And again, the Gemara explains this is only true when we are talking about witnesses who are in general invalid witnesses. When it comes to such people, then we look at the numbers, and whoever is more would win. In a general case, however, with regular evidence, in certain cases, even if it's one against two, we wouldn't necessarily accept the testimony of the two witnesses. If one of the wives of this particular man says that he did die, and another wife of the same man says that he did not die. Now we learned at the pre- beginning of the previous Mishnah that we do not believe the Tzara of a woman regarding her husband's death. And therefore, for each of these women, the testimony of her tzara is irrelevant to her. So the Mishnah says, Zosha Maris Mace, the woman who says that he did die, Tinosev Kuzubasa, she may remarry and take her kasuba, because we always believe a woman that her husband died. And it's true that there's another witness who is contradicting this, but her testimony is totally irrelevant because she is her tzara. And the woman who says that he has not died, she cannot remarry, and she may not take her kasuba. Because according to her testimony, he is still alive. Now, this is the opinion of the Tanakama. However, Rabbi Meir argues, as we're about to see, Rabbi Meir holds that we don't consider the testimony of the Tzorah to be irrelevant. And therefore, it's just like any case where two witnesses come to based in. One says that he did die, one says that she, he didn't die. Then in such a case, we don't really accept any of the testimonies, and so she cannot remarry. And according to Rabbi Meir, this is even in a case where one of the man's wives says that he died in a natural way, and one of them says that he was killed. Even in this case, Rabbi Meir says, we view both testimonies as relevant, and even in this case, they are considered to be contradictory. Since they are contradicting each other, neither of them can remarry, since two testimonies which contradict each other break apart both of them, and nothing is accepted. So just like until now we have assumed that he is alive, we continue to assume that, and they are forbidden to remarry. But Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon say that it's true that we in general do consider the Tzorah's testimony as being relevant, like Rabbi Meir. However, in this case, where Hoyol Vazovaz and Modish and Kayam, since both women agree that he is dead and he is no longer alive, you know, so they can remarry, 
because that is the fact that we are interested in, and regarding that, they do not contradict each other. Right, and the Mishnah ends off by telling us, If one witness in a general case, one witness comes and says that this man died, and another witness comes and says that he didn't die, they come at the same time, so the basin have not yet made a decision. Or if if a woman comes and says that he died, and then another woman comes and says that he didn't die, she may not remarry, because the contradictory testimonies break up both of the testimonies, and we consider neither of them to be valid.